0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition and the final edition for 2022 of Point and Cook Radio, the biweekly computer show. I'm Bob Lawton. I'm Jim Hyde. Glad to be back here on the last Wednesday of 2022. This was a this was a year of twos, wasn't it? Do you remember back in February, Jim, when 222 couples got married in Sacramento on
1: Yeah, I'll never forget it. <laughs>
0: It was the year that, that he, too. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll say goodbye to all those twos and there'll be less of them next year.
1: Yeah. And something we always do at, in our final show of each year is kind of take a look at back, um, look back not only at the year in tech and technology and computers, um, but also look back at some of the shows that we did um, and topics that we covered in the past uh, 12 months and that's what we're going to do on tonight's edition of Point and Click Radio. This is the bi-weekly computer show, as Bob said, the place where we where we answer your computer questions and bring you the computer and internet news of the day. And 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 as we wind up 2022, Bob, it is worth noting, I think I mentioned this earlier in earlier this year in one of our shows, that this year marked the twenty-fifth year. I've been doing this show with you, my friend.
0: Yes, 25 years of Bob and Jim, and the actual beginning of the show goes back uh, to 1994, so it's 28 years that uh, we've been talking about computers on KZYX and 28 year, 25 years that you and I have been doing this version of the show, which I think, uh, well, it stood the test of time, and uh, we've done mm-hmm. some pretty amazing things like uh, streaming over the World Wide Web. <laughs>
1: For Exactly. The very first live stream that, uh, that this radio station ever um, uh, streamed or aired was, uh, was a live um, edition of our show that we did. Well, we did shows from the studio in Philo streamed, but then we also went live from a user group meeting. Yes. And remember user groups? That's one of the things that kind of the, the online world has really um, uh, diminished the actual getting together in, in meat space of enthusiasts to ask questions and share ideas. And, um, that stuff for better and worse all happens online. these days, Hey,
0: I have, I have a quick user group story. I don't know if you've ever heard Wait. this. Do you remember, uh, Joe Kissel who did, um, I think that's his name. Joe mm-hmm. Kissel is a author, a computer book author. And yeah. he, um, I guess worked really closely. Maybe he wrote the manual for that uh, early Mac word processors, Nicest Writer Pro. Oh yeah!
1: Oh, yeah. Wow, take me back.
0: Yes, <laughs> this is back in the '90s when Nicest Writer first came out. It's a, it's a, um, it's a, it's an editing, it's a word processing program for Macs that's been around and is very popular with people who, who. Um, especially write in multiple languages, especially languages that write from right to left instead of left to right Mm. or or up and down the page, like some versions of of Chinese and stuff like that. So it was uh, developed by somebody who was really into linguistics and stuff like that. And Joe Kissel was demonstrating nicest writer for the uh, first version, uh, in, at, at the, uh, at, at BMUG, the Berkeley Macintosh users group, ah, yes. which is one of the most famous, uh, accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. They put out a monthly newsletter and hundreds of people would come to the, the meeting, but it was a tough audience. It was a tough audience. If you were demo, yes. demoing a product. So yes. Joe Kissel mm-hmm. was up there talking about nicest writer pro and saying all this stuff. And then he clicked on a, menu that brought down a list of the different languages and you know and he said well there's french and there's german there's norwegian there's arabic there's hebrew there's blah 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 and then, then all of a sudden in the back some guy says hey could it do klingon <laughs> <laughs> and, wow. and and he looks over at the guy and he scrolls down at the bottom of the menu and there's klingon
1: oh that's <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful and the whole
0: place went up for grabs absolutely went nuts
1: <laughs> that's great yeah, BMeg was them. At, at their peak, they, I did a little piece, of video piece on them once. They had 12 full time employees and a storefront in Berkeley, right near the university. That's right. Where they sold um, floppy disks and CDs of shareware. And that newsletter that you mentioned, it was like 400 pages yeah. thick. It was like a phone book. And yes, they would meet on the campus of, of UC Berkeley, and they would get several hundred attendees. And Bill Gates was once f- f- famously quoted as saying uh, that the only thing he was scared of was presenting at VMUG. At B-Mug. At B-Mug. <laughs> I think everybody was. But yeah. I just
0: love that Joe Kessel story, Klingon. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like he knew. Some somebody knew. Somebody knew there was going to be.
1: But yeah, like I mean, that. your point is is right on the mark. We were in the early days talking about things like get getting you know more reliable. Uh, modem connections from your funky phone lines that people have here in this part of the world. And then there was the whole, you know, um, the, the Y2K scare and the Microsoft antitrust suit and that whole era of free stuff where companies were so eager to just get eyeballs and get names that they could market to that they were giving away everything um, from, you know, newspaper content to color printers. I remember there was a, a free color printer giveaway thing
0: yeah um,
1: and then you know the a lot of the uh the um you know social um and and societal um uh, controversies of online privacy and then social networks and the facebook and cambridge analytica scandals and the you know the equifax um uh data oh, the, breach the leak and, yeah all the all of those things we've we've talked about on the show, and um, and boy, it just doesn't seem like there's any end of new stuff to talk about. I think 25 years ago, if you would have told me that we would be talking about um, the privacy damage caused by these little rectangles that are in all of our pockets, or the fact that we could create amazing artwork and images using artificial intelligence, I would have said wow that's kind of crazy well not Um, only using artificial intelligence
0: jim but just making a verbal description of a picture and having the ai make it into a visual you know just from the from the text input that's that's amazing
1: and that's probably one of our big news uh, stories of 2022 you know there there's there's Obviously, bad things and and good things and things whose goodness or badness we don't yet know <laughs> happened in two thousand and twenty-two. You know, on the downside, of course, there was the uh, the you know the collapse of cryptocurrency. There was uh, all the tech layoffs that are taking place still. Um, there's the crazy implosion that is going on ongoing at Twitter um, and things like that. Um, but in the in in the midst of that is some really interesting stuff. Um, Especially in the area of artificial intelligence, which we did a show about earlier in the uh, in the year um, when a Google engineer had claimed that Google created the first fully sentient artificial intelligence. He was wrong; it did not. Our guest debunked that um, very Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. And it has been since since debunked by by others, and he has since been let go. Yeah, I was going to say he <laughs> Google.
0: He, the AI wrote out his walking papers.
1: <laughs> it helped him write his resume. <laughs> um, but what we did see this year is artificial intelligence kind of stepping out of their shadows in the way that it's been used for a while now. And things like recommendations of what you should watch next on Netflix or what kind of insurance rates you pay based on your past history and that of your neighbor's and um, things, areas like that, where AI has been used for uh, several years now, into uh, stepping out of those shadows and into a world where you and I, everyone can use it, try it, experiment with it, use it productively, be a little bit scared by it, <laughs> and wonder where in the world all of this is going to go. And I'm talking about specifically the area of um, what's called generative AI that is creating text or images based on telling an AI what you want. Um, There are those image generation tools like DALLE that's D-A-L-L-E DALLE or mid-journey or stable diffusion where you can just as Bob said type a text prompt like a photograph of a night uh, city street scene in the 1940s with wet streets and taxicabs and neon lights and that ai will generate an image based on all of the other images that it has explored and studied across the internet and with frightening accuracy and there's all kinds of interesting controversies and 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 excitement around that technology there's text A generation AIs Uh, the most interesting is one called um, chat GPT and that's from a company called open AI oh yeah what
0: talk about that a little bit because I'm not really familiar with it I've heard the name but what does it do
1: it generates text it is again a AI that has studied the entirety of the Internet all of Wikipedia articles galore Newspaper articles, magazine articles, blogs. And based on that, it is able to come up with an amazingly convincing passage of text or a poem or um, a limerick or a, or a haiku um, based on what you ask it for. Um, you know, I did it, and you can try this for yourself for free if you go to, uh, if you just do a, a search, a web search for chat GPT I forget what GPT stands for some arcane computerese term but that's G as in go P as in Peter T as in Thomas chat GPT and you can there's, just get a text box and you can say write a story about the history of reel-to-reel tape recorders and it will write a multi-paragraph story an essay um you can have it write a script. You can write a script featuring two characters, one of whom is about to go on a cross-country hitchhiking trip, and it will write a script. Sometimes the results are weird and dumb. <laughs> Sometimes they're inaccurate. If they, uh, they, there are many examples where they will um, sound very authoritative but be just out not wrong. And many times they're just frighteningly good. And it's very early days. This tool only debuted in the last maybe month or so. And already, just today, in fact, I saw an article in the New York Times where Google has um, issued a what they call internally a Code Red, where we've got to basically figure out how this might shatter the search engine business.
0: Oh, yeah. How is that? Uh, you mean Because just- if
1: you don't need a search engine to spew a bunch of links out along with ads. Yes, and you can just ask the chat. You know, how do I check the air pressure in my 1978 Pinto?
0: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> then and and it will tell you. You don't need a search engine, a conventional search engine anymore. Right. So,
0: unless, unless of AI, unless the chatbots start uh, prefacing their answers with ads. <laughs>
1: You know. Yes. Before I tell you.
0: <laughs> yeah, before I tell you. Yeah. There's a
1: special on tires. at your local Firestone. Yeah, right? <laughs> God,
0: yeah. yeah, see, that's that's the hard part. It's going to be hard to do that. And, and uh, I don't know. That's one of the things. I think people are getting uh, a little um, just disenchanted with the whole uh, online ad-supported model for the Internet. And yeah. th- some things. Ha- maybe AI will help make that shift. It would really be good, you know, if, if if that could happen. Hey, I did try one of those um image generating I think it was uh, the Dali E site. Yeah. Um you can't just tell it anything. I found out that you cannot have it use the image images of politicians. It will it will yes. cut cut off certain Visual yes. elements oh. that you mentioned by name. You know, I was I was thinking, hey, it would fun. It would be fun to have. A, a, I want to see a picture of Mount Rushmore with a, you know a politician X, Y, and Z. And it said, nope, oh, sorry, won't do that for you. You know, you yeah. you're, you're going to have to do that one yourself with Photoshop.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, um, and OpenAI, the company that makes it, they've kind of really been as careful as they can. Uh, to avoid um, letting people be able to create deep fakes. You know, I want to you know, create an image of a politician in a compromising position um, or a situation. Um, and uh, some of the other tools like mid-journey and stable diffusion are v- far more <laughs> kind of wild west, um, all, no holds barred. And there's a lot of controversy about that. And there's a lot of controversy about all of these generative AI AI um, technologies. There are ethical issues. Um, if, if, if these images are being based on all of the other images that they've looked at, that the AIs have looked at across the Internet, are they stealing image styles from the photographers and the artists and the painters and the illustrators? that have quote-unquote taught that AI, and the same thing with text. If you tell uh, an AI to write a, you know, um, high school essay, is the teacher going to be able to tell the difference between that and a human-authored essay? And what does that mean? There was I read an article that said, you know, it might be that in the future they grade you on how well you crafted the prompt for the for your essay. oh yeah <laughs> so, yeah exactly
0: well it's, I, I mean do you think maybe that's going the way of of uh addition or uh, you know uh, arithmetic by hand i mean nobody expects you to, right. to do you know long division of uh, of six or eight place uh, you know um numerators and divisors and stuff like that but huh. You you are expected to be calculator literate, you know, if you're going to be doing, uh, you know, arithmetic computation, and and it took a while for that. I mean, for a while you could not bring a calculator into your math class, but now, okay. you know, past the sixth grade, maybe when you learn the basics, who would care about that? It's just one of those things. Do you care? And so is the. Uh, is the A.I. Uh, text generator just like a super calculator example, you know,
1: and it's a and, and the phrase I hear or the word I used a lot is um, is copilot that we're entering an era where computers aren't just typewriters that don't meet, that that eliminate the use of whiteout or dark rooms that eliminate the need to actually mix up chemicals and get your hands wet. Um, right. they are, um, they're, they're evolving into being co-pilots where they are helping with the creative process by giving you 10 different ideas for an illustration that you might then take one of that you like the most and then take it into Photoshop and, and make it, you know, and enhance it, or that you might. Have an AI write a uh, a piece of marketing copy or a or a or a report, and then go in yourself and massage it and make sure that it's accurate. Um, is this good? Is this bad? What it is is seemingly inevitable. This these 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 genies are out of the bottle, and um, there are some people who are just kind of proceeding blindly ahead and like, well, this is new technology. It must be good. And there are other people who are trying to say, wait a minute, let's let's consider the ethical ramifications of this stuff. Uh, Let's, the the legal, the copyright, the intellectual property angles, um, and try to use this stuff intelligently rather than just with the profit motive in mind. And it's going to be a really interesting 2023 to watch where all of this goes
0: i'm actually kind of excited because there is beginning to be more public awareness i think maybe one of those uh crypto crash cryptocurrency crashes might have gotten some people's head out of the sand as far as where his tech stuff is going i want to read you a quote and i think this might be from uh, your old uh your old home bite magazine oh uh, yes Listen to this. I'm gonna read the quote and then I'm gonna read the year it was stated. The possible threat to privacy that home video and computing services pose is beginning to worry some people. That was in Byte magazine uh-huh. in nineteen eighty
1: three. Wow. <laughs> I remember that I remember that quote. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was an issue about what they called video text back then. Uh-huh. Which was the very earliest online Services. And yeah, there, there's an article that I talked about one day you'll do your banking on your shopping, you know, you know, from the comfort of your home kind of thing. All things that we completely well, now we do it with a little rectangle in the palm of our hands. But it talked about the fact that, yeah, these there are privacy. Serious privacy implications behind um, behind this stuff.
0: Well, let's give credit where it's due. What allowed that, uh, that notion to explode the way it did is the, is the World Wide Web. Yeah. You know, the first, the uh, government allowing ordinary uh, uh, street-level citizens to get on access to the internet, and then um, our hero, uh, Sir Tim Berners-Lee, who came up with the, uh, the first web browser. And yeah. it went on from there. And then, of course, people that jumped on it for commercial opportunities like uh, Amazon.com and uh, Google with their search engine, you know, their revolutionary search engine. And then Apple coming up with devices that it made it a lot easier for ordinary people to use, you know, to just right. point and click or touch and swipe or whatever the interface <laughs> was.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um Watch Duty that came out this year I think didn't it? Yeah. I think that was a good uh, milestone especially for um it's a California developed app by a whole bunch of people including some uh, local Mendocino County folks that uh gives updates on uh, wildfire.
1: Yeah, Watch Duty is an amazing app. We covered it on the show. We've talked about it a couple of times because we always try to urge people to take advantage of the technology to keep themselves safe. And here in uh, fire and earthquake country. Um, And you're right. It's a free app that you can download for your iPhone or your Android or your tablet. Um, And it basically aggregates. It sucks together and puts in one place all of these different feeds from the likes of um, the Office of Emergency Services, uh, Cal Fire, the local sheriff's departments. Um, And it's a great resource for knowing what's going on when the worst happens yeah and it's free and they they it's they'd say it's it's donation aware in the sense that um they request a donation it doesn't require one um but uh there's a lot of really slick development behind it and it's worth throwing them a couple of dollars
0: i think so yeah There's all kinds of, actually, um, there's still time to make uh, tax-deductible contributions. And one that I always uh, do every year is Wikipedia. I always make a donation to Wikipedia because I just think it's amazing that they've been able to stay completely non-commercial. I'm not sure where most of their support comes from. I know they do get a lot of support from their users, and uh, they may get institutional support.
1: There's a foundation now. Yes, yes um yeah wikipedia is a, is astonishing and magnificent we and that's another thing that we did this past year is i <laughs> did an interview with a woman who launched an incredibly oh, successful um, instagram and twitter feed called depths of wikipedia and she just posts some of the weirder, stranger side of Wikipedia. The fact that it really, truly is a compendium of all human knowledge, including maybe some things that we shouldn't even know. <laughs> or bother know, putting down shouldn't. on paper or pixels.
0: Hey, do you, um, do you remember Ripley's Believe It or Not? Yeah. <laughs> this exactly. is like Wiki's Believe It or Not. It really is. It really
1: is. She posted one the other day. Uh, there's, there's apparently an, uh, a Wikipedia entry for Cat Loaf. And cat loaf is that position that cats get in, where they kind of tuck their front paws in, and they look like you know imagine a sphinx but without the long paws. Yeah. And they look kind of like a loaf of bread.
0: Cat <laughs> so, loaf.
1: And there's a picture of a cat in the loaf position, <laughs> and that is an actual article on Wikipedia. Oh But she also God. talked, in uh, she also talked a lot about how Wikipedia works and how anybody can edit articles and. How the you know the, the Wikipedians, the people who belong to Wikipedia and contribute to it, will debate whether or not an apostrophe should be in the name of a play or something like that. Um, it's really fascinating. It's uh, it's the greatest success story of crowdsourced, human-generated, free, freely available uh, content really ever created in in, in human history.
0: Yeah. Hey, did you get your DJI Avata yet, Jim?
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> I did not get the latest red-hot drone from uh, from DJI.
0: Well, it's not just the drone itself. It's the fact that they now have, I don't want to call them VR goggles because it's not virtual. You can fly the drone with a, a little hand joystick. Yeah. And you get first, what do you call it? What's the term for it? You get first, first,
1: first person, first person view,
0: first person view.
1: You are, though so you're sitting in the aircraft.
0: Well, as though your eyeballs are in the camera. That's in the drone. I yeah. mean, it's not yeah. like sitting in an airplane. It's like,
1: no, but, that's true. It's like, you are the drone. You are the drone. <laughs> and I just,
0: I can't believe this. I, um, I, I remember I sent you a video that I had gotten from their, um, their email. And it was just, it was absolutely outrageous what it did. And I could see this as a fun thing to do and a really useful thing to do, you know, like especially, well, going back to watch duty, you know, checking out uh, forest fire conditions with first person video where you can get close enough to actually see what's going on, you know, and not have to run up and down hills or fly a real helicopter with, you know, the vulnerability of, of, um, you know, Flying yeah, in, around the in, tree, in
1: the expense, yeah. yeah, oh, everything, and also even hopefully before the fire starts, of examining utility lines,
0: yeah, all and, that stuff, you know, that kind
1: of thing. Drones are being hugely uh, are hugely popular for that sort of thing.
0: But this one that DJI makes is—it looks like it's super hardened to bounce off of walls and floors yeah, and right. everything. Yeah, right. Plus, um, you can get it with that—I um, forget what the uh, specific device is—they call it, but it's basically. It's basically a high resolution um, set of uh, goggles that you right. that you just put on and you actually see what the drone camera is um, seeing as it flies around and you you can control it as though you were a bird flying around all these different places you can fly through tunnels and you know over bridges and any place where it's legal to fly drones you can't go around military bases or or airports or right. things like that <laughs> right yeah right. yeah but that's i think yeah it's I,
1: just another example another one of those technologies that if you would have talked to me about 25 years ago on a 1997 edition of point Click <laughs> <laughs> radio i would have said what what
0: <laughs> i know i know that's uh that's amazing well i want one of those i don't know when it's coming i don't know when sams going to bring it but he didn't bring it this year
1: <laughs> Well, and, and, and speaking of uh, amazing flying craft, and actually, we should let before we speak of that, we should remind folks that they're listening to Point and Click Radio, the bi weekly computer show here on KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, Willits, and Ukiah, with Bob Lawton and yours truly, Jim Hyde. Toby Molina, by the way, who usually sits at the Point and Click Research Desk, has the night off. She'll be back two weeks from today. And um, but, but speaking of amazing flying things, we got to talk about at least for a minute, the incredible James Webb Space Telescope. Yes, that was on an my incredible list. incredible piece of technology that amazingly worked.
0: <laughs> well,
1: it's <laughs> a- probably the most amazing thing. Yeah, It didn't a- blow up. It- Every single part unfolded correctly and yes. now it's turning out images that are exceeding the expectations of, of astronomers just absolutely breathtaking images that are uh, that just make us put us put us in our place in this tiny little speck of where dust.
0: where's a good place to view the images is it the NASA website
1: NASA um if you just do a search for James Webb i think jwst.nasa.gov is probably the uh, probably the proper url But if you just go to uh, uh, the search engine of your choice and type either James Webb with two Bs, James Webb Space Telescope or JWST, you'll get uh, you'll get mind blowing images to.
0: Yeah. And uh, remind. Oh, a lot of uh, I think you sent me a link one time to um, one of those things where you can uh, you see an image on your screen and it has a slider that you can click and drag or, you know, drag with your finger. And it shows two different versions of the same scene. One is with the uh, Hubble, the earlier space telescope, and one is with the Webb. And it's it's like it's like the difference between a Kodak brownie and a and a you know a Nikon uh, yeah. 96 yeah. Me- megapixel camera or something like that. Um, remind folks who James Webb was.
1: James Webb was the director of NASA. Um, back in the, uh, I believe during the Apollo, um, era, the, the, the heyday of NASA, uh, there was some, there was, there was some controversy about the naming of the telescope. There were some people who, um, he, there were some allegations of misconduct on his part. And, um, I don't know that they're actually ever proven. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't, but, um, uh, there was some uh, there was some pushback on the naming of the telescope. The name stuck, and the and fortunately the telescope did not. <laughs> it te- works. Yes,
0: it did not stick.
1: <laughs> None of the pulleys or levers stuck.
0: Yeah, that was yeah, amazing because yeah. it was quite Definitely. a it was quite a complicated piece of machinery. It has it has multiple cameras on it, and one of them is um, liquid helium cooled. Yeah. Which they have to do in order to have it um, be sensitive to the most uh, uh, I don't know how, what even what even word describes the hardest to, the hardest to trace uh, radiations or part, radiation or particles or whatever they're trying to sense to create these images. And this is mm-hmm. another one, yeah.
1: Here's the URL. The URL is web.nasa.gov. Web. W e b b two b's web.nasa.gov. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and, uh huh.
0: Yeah. And like you mentioned, the 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 first great thing is that it unfolded and actually started working the way it was supposed to. But apparently, um, I haven't seen any of the recent images. But apparently, the people that are using it, the uh, astronomers and other you know physicists and people that are putting it to use are blown away it's doing way more than they even anticipated it would it's just its capacities seem to be just just totally remarkable
1: maybe i just discovered by by going to that website there is a Flickr account where they are uploading the raw or the large high resolution versions of um of those images so um you can check them out there A Flickr
0: what? account for NASA, for Webb? Does Webb have its own um, oh, fl- for Flickr the, stream?
1: For the, for the Webb Telescope, yeah.
0: That's fantastic. Wow. Yeah,
1: really, really, yeah. And, uh, I mean, the 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 shots are incredible. They're um, they're just, uh, they're mind-blowing.
0: Yes, this is KZYXNZ, and it is point-and-click radio, and it is a public affairs show here on uh mendocino county public broadcasting and we also take calls from our listeners and we have a call coming in right now what? as we speak so uh, let me get set up here to bring on the phones and um we will go to our first caller momentarily um i had a quick um i'm just scanning through some old news here and i had a uh, I I wanted to mention a few of the hot tips that I had this year. One of them is the duck.com email. If you go to DuckDuckGo.com, you can get a great email service that takes out all the trackers and, and, uh, spyware and things from your emails. And it just sends it to your regular email. And it's a, a good way to, um, to protect your email account. The other was, uh, it's kind of the, the inverse of that, URLClean, which is at URLClean.com, all one word. It cleans up those um, emails, uh, uh, web links that are wrapped inside a referral link that they use to spy on you and you know collect personal data and stuff like that. So DuckDuckGo.com for their email filtering service and URL Clean and let's go to the phones. Hi, caller, you're on the air.
2: Well, thank you for taking my call and uh, happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's exciting. Uh, hopefully, can I, uh, can, is, is it okay to still talk on the uh, science topic, a little science moment? Please.
0: Anything, the airwaves <laughs> yeah, are <I> mean, yours.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, thank you for all the great info and to add to that, if that wasn't enough, There's now another way of monitoring what happened uh, way back at the beginning of time, and that is with radio waves that just happened to be striking our little planet Earth. And down in uh, South Africa, there is one square mile of listening devices, these giant dishes, I believe, that can uh, click and point, no pun intended, and... uh, catch these radio waves, which, you know, not like 91.5 FM, but, you know, way beyond that, uh, you know, they share some similarities that were broadcast back in the beginning, you know, from billions of years ago, and they're passing little old Earth, and we are now on this planet uh, able to listen to those radio waves like we never have, uh, have been before.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah, radio yeah, astronomy if, if is you knew anything is... about that. I,
0: I I know that somewhere there must be aliens right now watching I Love Lucy reruns.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know, but you know this is this is from the cosmic uh, you know the, the big bang and all that it's it's not, you know it's not audible it's not
0: you know from Right. Uh, right.
2: You know, yeah, yeah, it's just real science. Anyway, somebody,
1: Yeah, there's a um, there's a there's a there's a radio telescope complex in um, the the uh, northern Cape of South Africa, called MeerKat, M E E R K A T, the Karoo Array Telescope was its original name. Sixty-four antennas um, in uh, in MeerKat National Park. That um, is a uh, is one of the one of the larger radio telescope complexes um, on the on the planet. Now, alas, we lost the beautiful, amazing. Um, Arecibo uh, radio telescope in in Puerto Rico. uh, Right. Yeah.
2: That was this year. I think that that was last year. does that fill a gap there at all?
1: It Hmm. does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it's because of telescopes like these, radio telescopes like these, that they decided not to rebuild um, Arecibo um, because you know that was kind of almost what is it? Almost it was a mile wide. It was built in this valley. And yeah. and and what they're doing now is ganging up multiple um, dishes, arrays of dishes, and combining them to treat them like one big giant one, so they can get more sensitivity from these kinds of telescopes than they could with one just big honking dish that uh, you know that they. Uh, uh, yeah, a big
2: giant collector, about. a big giant collector area. I, I'm I'm looking forward to. Uh combining all these technologies together and see what uh, what there is to learn out there. Anyway, thanks for the science, you guys.
1: Oh, you you're welcome.
0: Thank you for the call. Thank Happy you for the you. call, yes. Happy computing.
1: Here's, like, here's to a year of good science.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, ours is just shooting right by, um, and we still have all kinds of things to talk about. Should we just give a, a quick Apple recap, because I, I know there's a yes, few please, things we, away, we wanted friend. to mention. Well, uh, the first thing that popped up Is it a link you sent me? Uh, You know, people sell their old backs on eBay and stuff like that. And, you know, most of the time they have some collector value. But this was a Mac SE that had more than the usual amount of collector value. Oh, yeah. And it was a Mac SE that was used by Steve Jobs when he went to start the next company. It was his personal computer on his desk. It was the Mac SE, which I think came out in... Uh, 1985 or 1986. It was like the, the, the boosted version of the original 128k Mac. And uh, it was given by Steve Jobs to um, an employee at Next uh, at, at one point. And uh, Jobs offered it to him saying that it might have value someday. And I think it was uh, went on auction at uh, some auction house. Can you remember the details on that? <laughs>
1: It was, you know, it was one of those Sotheby type. I, not on eBay.
0: <laughs> no, no, not on eBay. It was Sotheby or something like that. Yeah, and, and
1: I, it had a lot of like letters he had written and his, it had the data his on it. They did, he didn't his want, contacts. And he didn't
0: wipe that. it. It had all the data from the eighties when he was uh, founding the next company. I think it went for a quarter of a million dollars or something like that. So something that crazy that, like, that yeah. might be a, re- a record for a used Mac sale. <laughs> yeah. I thought that yeah, was no pretty doubt. amazing. Um, Apple had one real high point in terms of their traditional computing, as far as I was concerned. Uh, That was the Apple Macintosh Studio, which took everybody by surprise. Absolutely everybody. Because this is the one that would kind of fill the gap between the uh, Mac Mini entry-level, bring-your-own-monitor, mouse and keyboard, uh, you know, available for well under... $1,000 $1,000 uh, to the Mac Pro models, which is which have always gone for top dollar. And there's been that that hole in the middle of the donut where there isn't one for people that want to have, I mean, there's plenty of really, you can do top-level professional work on some of Apple's high-end laptops, but if you just yeah. don't want a laptop and don't want to have to you know deal with the battery and all that stuff and, and pick your own monitor or something, you need a, a desktop computer, and this Mac Studio was... Uh, it, it's, uh, it came out after they introduced the Apple Silicon M series chip, so it's never the, it was never released as an Intel version. It was a brand new uh, platform uh, using the um, M1 chips, and they released the M1 Ultra, which I guess even blows away their current Mac Pro model, which still uses the Intel. And the current Mac Pro model is still the current model, and that might be the low point of of Apple this year. They promised a new Mac Pro model by the end of this year, and they're not going to get it. And they apologized. I guess um, I heard that some of the they issued apologies to some of the computer journalists that cover Mac products, Apple products, and said we're sorry. It's just not going to happen. You know, so they um, they kind of the M2
1: chip. I mean, you're right. The Mac Studio is an amazing. Little powerhouse of a of a machine, with all the kinds of things that, um, that, yeah, that 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 creative pros or enthusiasts need, like a slot that you can put a memory card in from a camera, um, lots and lots of ports that you can connect all the different things that that you might use from a printer to a graphics tablet to a Wacom tablet, uh, you know, keyboard, mouse, and all that stuff. Um, and inside is that that M2 chip, the M2 Max. Um, uh, chip, which are the fastest of the uh, Apple Silicon chips, uh, and they're particularly uh, amazing at um, what are called floating point uh, operations, the kinds of math that video editing programs use, or photography programs like Photoshop and Lightroom use. Um, these artificial intelligence image generators. There are versions of those that can run on a local machine rather than over the Internet. Um, those kinds of tools really benefit from the fastest possible um, chip um, when it comes to being able to do those floating point um, calculations. The M2 chips are, um, are kind of incredible. They're really a, a leap forward in, in performance. Again, the kind of thing that we would have thought that you were you know, a superior alien race if we had seen that 25 years ago.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> no kidding.
1: Yeah. And, you know, um, and, and then also kind of on the downside um, on the Apple front um, and, and a converse upside is another big development that we saw, um, or at least a small but growing development, was um, growing strength of organized labor, labor unions in technology, in the tech field. Um, Some Amazon uh, distribution centers uh, unionized in 2022. Um, A couple of Apple stores unionized. Apple was actually, um, uh, has had a case filed against it with the National Labor Relations Board for um, allegedly, Doing some unethical stuff in squashing a unionization attempt in, uh, in a, at a Apple store in Ohio. Um, and Microsoft has, uh, put out an announcement saying that they're uh, happy and willing to work with uh, um, labor unions who uh, for the various d- divisions and companies and and suppliers that uh, that they that they serve. So, um, you know, I've read articles about unions in general in 2022 saying kind of this is one of the strongest years for organized labor um, in in a long time. And um, whether that's true in general, I don't know, I can't speak to, but it's certainly true in the tech world.
0: Yeah, Um, and uh, it's pretty amazing how, you know, what goes around comes around. Labor unions were really big in the earlier part of the last century and they really helped establish things like paid vacations, eight hour work days. Five, five, day work weeks. five day work weeks, uh, you know, um, health, health, uh, insurance for, uh, people as, uh, an employee benefit and so forth. And then they started getting crushed by, uh, the other forces in our society, but they're starting to make a turnaround. And a, yeah. lot, a lot of people are realizing that's the only way that, um, people are going to make progress is by organizing, you know, everybody yeah. was willing to, to lay back and let let uh, the politicians take over how everything runs, but it's not, it's not going so well right now. So I think that uh, that's a good sign. Um, and I think the first the first um, if there was a shot heard around the world with the the new union movement, it was that one. I um, manager at the Staten Island Amazon warehouse, uh, nice. I can't remember his name now, Chris something I think it was. But anyway, he, they had a, um, an election to uh, go, go to union. And I guess uh, Amazon was able to bring in their union busting uh, thugs and, and keep it from happening. But nice. I think eventually they did. They did go to the union, he got fired. And then he, he protested that and that actually gave it a whole lot more publicity. And um, to raise the awareness of the working conditions and the need for unions in, in situations like that. Yeah. So that was a uh, Chris Smalls. Maybe that was his name. I yeah. Hope, you're right. I no, hope Christian, I got that yeah. Right.
1: Christian Smalls. Yeah. Here I have an article here. that calls him future folk hero, Christian Smalls. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Future folk hero. Exactly. Well, Jim, if you had a friend or a family member who wanted to buy a new iPad, what would you recommend?
1: Oh man,
0: <laughs> that's you a lead. That's a leading question.
1: Yeah, how much time you got? I, mean, well, we, I, I would have to literally sit down with a web browser in front of a web browser in front of me to be able to figure out the differences between. Oh me.
0: God! It used to <laughs> be too many. It used to be get the cheap one or get the expensive one. <laughs> you know. <Yep. laughs> But they've gotten, you know, and I think Steve Jobs might really be rolling around in his grave on this one. Because the one they, the Generation 10 that they released comes in beautiful, pretty colors. It's supposedly the low end of the iPad range, but they left one in that's even cheaper and older that still has a home button. The new one doesn't have a home button and it has a USB-C port, which, you know, is the future because of the European changes. But it's got some real problems, and it's got some real features, and it's kind of a mishmash. And I think Steve would have said, just hold off, don't release it now. But I think they, you know, with the supply chain things and and the kind of things that are going on, um, this newest iPad, just plain iPad, 10th generation, I think you have to call it so you can distinguish it from the ninth generation, now works with the Apple Pencil, but it doesn't work with the latest pencil it works with the original pencil and you can't charge it like the newest generation pencil by sticking it on magnets on the side and using induction charging and the reason you can't is because they very wisely moved the front facing camera to the long side the the landscape right. side of of the iPad, which makes so much sense. If you have somebody that mostly does FaceTiming with their, you know, their friends or their grandkids or grandparents or whatever, you want to have it in the, in the, you know, the, the landscape orientation. And it makes sense to have the camera in the center of the bezel, but that means you can't charge the magnetic uh, charging pencil. And so they, have to use, they had to send out the old pencil, which has a lightning connector, which doesn't work in the, oh. the USB C. So they give you this little teeny dongle, which you're guaranteed to lose the first week, if oh. not the first day. So it's such a mishmash. What did they do?
1: Yeah, the iPad family has just gotten too, too big and too confusing. You know, and this was one of the things I remember when Steve Jobs came back to Apple in '97. He simplified the product line. Yes. You know, there used to be a different model. You know, extra letters after the number of, of the model number of the Performa if it had a CD-ROM drive in it, or it was just figuring out what you had and what you wanted to buy was you know it was like you had to you had to traverse a maze to to get there.
0: It was like a Chinese restaurant menu. <laughs> oh, I'm a number yes. eighty nine.
1: <laughs> exactly. And it made it very simple. He made it very simple. You had the iMac. You know um and you had the g3 or whatever it might be and um the ipad was originally that way but then over time apple's kind of lost its way in terms of product line clarity let's call it that um you know there's the ipad pro well then there's the mini Well, okay that's the small one i get that but then there's a couple of different generations of the mini and there's the 10 or the 9 and then the pro, and there's the big screen and the small screen, and it's just, it's too, it's confusing, to figure out kind of which one, do I want? I don't want. I can't just. You can buy based on just price alone, but then you might be missing out on a feature that you really need or that you don't need. Yeah, it's gotten it's gotten really confusing.
0: Well, I think they left the generation nine just plain iPad in the lineup because the ten is quite a bit more expensive. And for for places like schools uh, that need to buy you know pallet loads of iPads for their students, obviously they want to have the lowest price model that's available and not have the price suddenly go up by like a hundred and fifty dollars. So I think that's why they left that in there. Yeah. But it, it, yeah. it's crazy, and I don't I don't understand it. And I can see how supply. Um, Problems and uh, you know factory capacity and and the ability to turn around things and maybe they actually had I heard actually heard a rumor that they were going to come out with a third version of the pencil which may have been meant to be paired with this newest iPad generation 10 but they couldn't get it ready in time so they just came up with this workaround which is kind that's of, that's just not Apple but but something else that happened this year is I think Johnny Ive their world famous designer Sir Sir Johnny I think finally severed his connection with Apple this year. I believe it was this year yeah, that, that, right. that he's not uh, doing it anymore. And that may have had something to do with it. Cause he, he's basically the, the person responsible for coming up with the iPad design itself. And I think he was the one that came up with the designs for the mini and the and the pro and the different shapes and sizes and getting rid of the home button and all those things you know his johnny's uh, ideal device is uh, a white sphere that has no input or output whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly
1: it didn't even turn on <laughs> no no, no.
0: You, you think you think it's doing something no he he never met a button that he uh, didn't want to get, that he, liked. <laughs> get that he didn't want to get rid of yeah
1: yeah. So, you know, we've also got to talk about as we as we come into our last few minutes of, of tonight's final year end point and click radio. Um, the news in connectivity, in Internet connectivity, that's something that we've talked about f- from the beginning on this show. How do you get faster Internet, especially in this part of the world where um, it is not as easy as it is in big cities to get fast Internet? Um, there have been a couple of big milestones over the last year. One is um, what's called uh, uh, orbital internet, and that is services like Starlink from uh, from the Elon Musk company, SpaceX, um, the low-Earth orbiting satellites um, that work really generally pretty well, way, way better than first-generation satellite systems like Viasat or HughesNet. Um, uh, Starlink got... So popular, in fact, this past year that they've introduced a data cap. They started out without a data cap. You know, you can use as much data as you want in a month and no penalties. Well, now they've introduced a data cap of one terabyte per month, which is a huge amount. You've got to really be watching a lot of high definition videos on your big screen TV to get anywhere near that. Um, but nonetheless, there it is. <clears throat> and I think they also raised the price from something like $99 a month to 100 and a quarter. Um, but locally... Um, here down on planet Earth. Um, further reach, the wireless internet provider has continued to expand further north and east from its origins in the Manchester area, uh, Irish Beach area, serving now a lot of Anderson Valley, serving as far north as uh, as, as Casper, I believe. And um, we did an interview with uh, uh, earlier this year with uh, Tamir Shainuk, the uh, CEO of, uh, of Further Reach, um, where he talked about, uh, about the service and its origins and how it has grown. Um, and uh, MCN, big news in, uh, uh, in the MCN world this year, where the uh, Mendocino Unified School District voted to sell MCN they did not get bids a bid that they accepted so mcn is still owned and operated by the school district Um, but at the same time mcn also introduced their own wireless internet product called open air um, largely in the fort bragg area so between the growing penetration of wireless internet providers like further reach and mcn and services like Starlink, which can potentially serve places that are not within line of sight, a range of those wireless internet providers. The local broadband picture is really better than it's ever been. Um, it's not perfect. It's still more expensive and often trickier, especially if you live in the trees, right. but um, it's way better than it's ever been.
0: But the equipment continues to improve, too. So whereas if you had wireless 10 years ago, it might have been a little shaky or, you know, your Netflix might have buffered as you were watching right. a movie. Um, it seems like the things have evened out quite a bit uh, because the companies that make the equipment that provide those services have continued to improve their products. I have um a book I want to recommend and um I came across this in a podcast. I can't remember which podcast it was. I'll uh, have to go back and do my homework. The author is Johan Hari, uh, a journalist who's written for the New York Times and um has a couple of best-selling books. I'm not familiar with his earlier books. One was Chasing the Scream and the other was Lost Connections. I'm not sure what they're about. This is about the um the uh, consequences of a society that walks around and stares at square or at rectangular objects <laughs> all day long and all night long, uh, in other words, the, uh, the computer in your pocket or any type of digital device. The title of the book is Stolen Focus, and I was kind of gobsmacked by, by this. Uh, the subtitle is Why You Can't Pay Attention and How to Think Deeply Again, So it's Stolen Focus by Johan Hari, H-A-R-I, and um, he's a journalist, and this is a really well-researched book. He went around the world, literally, uh, traveling and talking to uh, experts in psychology and concentration and attention, uh, science and things like that, and even some of the experts he consulted said things like, yeah, I... I just can't sit down and read. I can't spend three or four hours reading a book like I used to, you yeah. know. Yeah. And uh, it's it's hard for me to sit down and, and, and write a letter, you know, with pen and paper uh, the way I used to. And it's something that's uh, starting to make itself known in scientific circles and in, in uh, circles of, of uh how, uh, you know, educational circles and things like that. So he wrote this book and I started listening to the audiobook version. It, it's a really wonderful book. Um, and the thing is, he um, did something I have yet to hear uh, any other author or publisher do. He says, I have posted audio clips of all the people I quote in this book on the book's website. As you read the book, you can listen along to our actual conversations. And those are Hosted on the website stolenfocusbook.com/audio. That's all one word: stolenfocusbook.com/audio. I really recommend it. I've only listened to a couple of chapters so far, but it's really revealing. And the thing I really like about the book is it's it's science. It's not politics or opinion or uh, you know putting down one group of people or or one demography or tech. Uh, billionaires or anything like that. It's just the actual science of what happens when everybody spends so much of their attention being interrupted by things like texting and messaging and email and uh, all that stuff. Stolen Focus by Johan Hari.